Hello, everyone. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. I'm very delighted to be here tonight. It's a unique and special privilege of mine to be in fellowship with you tonight and to open up God's Word with you. And I say that from the bottom of my heart because Campus Crusade, which is now called Crew, uh, has a unique place in my life story. Uh, when I was doing my undergraduate studies in my home country of Cameroon, uh, I ran into Campus Crusade, and those years were deeply impactful to my walk with the Lord and in setting the trajectory of my life from then going forward. So I, I, I see you guys as in a very strategic position in what God is doing in the world and uh, just speaking from my own experience and how the testimony and the example of other brothers and sisters like you who are interacting here now impacted me, I can guarantee you like you are into some really serious things whose consequences will outlast you. So I'm very thankful to be here. Let me open God's word with you and uh, read from Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, chapter one verses 6 to 14, and then I will pray, and we will jump in. So if you can turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 1, 6 to 14, that would be great. The Word of God says this, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious with, to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that it is food, that eats its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared 
among the nations. Let me pray to get us started. Father, thank you that you are great and glorious. You are not a tribal deity. You are not bound by geography. You, your name is great from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. I pray that as we open your word tonight that you will draw near and give us illumination, fill our hearts with faith, and cause us to be excited about what you are doing around the world. And I pray that, Lord, you will cause every life in this room to count for the cause of Christ. That, Lord, you would just harness all the potential that is in this room for the building of your kingdom and the advance of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight I have one main thesis that I want to argue for from Malachi chapter 1. I just have one main point that I want to, I hope, press on your heart. And I do hope it gives you perspective and sets your feet on a fresh trajectory and, and, and awakens in you a new desire and commitment to being a person that is about God and for God and is a spokesperson for God in any context that God places you in. And here is the main point I want to argue for. It is this. A firm belief and conviction in the fact that God's purpose to save a people for himself from every tribe and tongue and nation will ultimately prevail, will make of you a relentless and joyful evangelist. If you believe that what God is doing in the world, what he has said he will do, if you believe he will actually do it, if you believe that at the end of the day, it is not some political philosophy that will carry the day, it's not some ideology, some revolution that's going on in society, whatever it is, or, or whatever. If you believe that the ultimate thing that will triumph when everything is said and done is God's purpose to save the people for himself, you will, because of that conviction, Live a certain way. You will be filled with joy. You will be filled with a relentless zeal to make Christ known. In other words, one reason people are sloppy about sharing their faith and without fervor and zeal and excitement about sharing their faith sometimes is that they are not exactly sure that what they are doing is what will ultimately prevail and triumph. But I just want to argue with you today from Malachi chapter 1, mainly verse 11, that if you believe that, if you take God at his word, that's going to free you from the shackles of peer pressure, from the shackles of the expectations of society, and you will be living the full potential of the kingdom of God that he would have you live. And that's the only kind of life that is going to count for time and eternity. So here is the first reason why I say that it's important to believe that what God is doing is what will ultimately triumph. It's indomitable, cannot be thwarted, cannot be defeated. Look at Malachi 1.11. God says this, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Now, if you read that verse carefully, you see, in that verse, God declares that the triumph of what he is doing is guaranteed. His name will be great among the nations. Two times in one verse, God says that. 
My name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to its setting. And at the end of the verse, my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. So we know what is going to carry the day. We know what is going to ultimately prevail when history wraps and closes its doors, when the curtains of time are drawn, the thing that will prevail is not any nation or kingdom or big name in the world. It's not any discovery. It's not any human philosophy. It is the name of the Lord. It's, it will be great from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. Of course, kingdoms will rise and fall. Of course, great men will be born and die. Of course, different revolutions and counter-revolutions will happen. But all those things are setting the stage for God's name to be mighty and feared and revered among all nations from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. If you think about this, I hope you see how encouraging and how exciting it is. In the, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he said, when you pray, you should say, our Father in heaven, What's the next line? Hallowed be your name. Let your name be feared. Let your name be sanctified among the nations. And in this text we see what Jesus taught his disciples to pray for, God has decreed he will do. God has decreed will come to pass. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we ask God to make his name be great among the nations, we are not trying to twist God's hand to get him to do something he doesn't want to do. We are asking him to do what he has decreed will happen. We are asking him to do what he has already proclaimed will come to pass. That's how amazing God's purpose is. He proclaims what will be. He does all that will happen so that that comes to be and he even gives us the privilege of being a part of that thing that he is doing. God does not need us to pray for his kingdom to come before the kingdom comes, but he gives us the privilege to pray that. So here we see from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, the name of the Lord will be great among all nations. Now, if you step back and look at that verse in the immediate context, in, in, around, in, in light of the surrounding verses, you see, humanly speaking, there was not a lot of hope that what God is declaring here is actually going to happen. And I say that because from verse 6 we are told God is rebuking the priests for being corrupt. Now, Israel was a nation that God had called to himself, entered into a covenant with them, and took the tr a tribe that was going to serve as priests at the temple. So the priests were supposed to embody the righteousness and the holiness and the covenant faithfulness that should have marked God's people. Now, if you run into a situation where even the priesthood is corrupt, then you know there's really no hope because if the priesthood is corrupt, then you can assume, and rightly so, that the whole nation is corrupt. So look at verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. The priests of all people were despising the name of Yahweh. And then they, they, they were not even in the know that that's what they were doing because God indicts them. God charges them for doing what they are doing. And then they say, how have we despised your name? So they, they don't even realize what they are doing. That's how bad the situation was. 
And God answers, my offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, how have we polluted you? And God answers, by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept it? The priests were offering sacrifices that were bad enough that a governor will not accept. A mere mortal will not accept. They were offering such to God. That's how bad the situation was. But in the midst of such a corrupt priesthood and obviously a corrupt nation, God still says, my name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. The point is, even human sin and unfaithfulness will not thwart the purpose of God. God was communicating to the priest, I do not need you to cause my purpose to prevail among the nations. I can pass over you and bring to come to pass from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting what I have set out to do. What I have decreed, no one can anew. What I have declared, no one can thwart. So, the triumph of God's purpose among the nations, namely, his name being great and being feared and being revered among all nations of the earth, is guaranteed. That is going to happen. Nothing will thwart it. The next thing I want to point out from uh, Malachi 1.11 is the triumph is global. It's not only guaranteed, it's not only certain, it's not only set in stone that it will come to pass. It's going to happen in global dimensions. It's going to sweep across the earth from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. Look again at Malachi 1.11. God says, from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And he adds, in every place, incense will be offered to my name. Did you get the global sweep? It's going to be from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. It's going to be in every place that incense will be offered for the name of the Lord. Priests will arise to worship God and offer acceptable sacrifices to God from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. I mentioned earlier that I grew up in Cameroon, in the northwest part of that country. That's where I was born. And uh, I, in my growing up years, our society was deeply polytheistic, which means that there were so many gods, there was a plethora of gods. Every family almost had its own god. Every village, in addition to the family gods, had their own gods. Every town and then every tribe. So, so you, you just couldn't keep track of how many gods were there. But I never once saw in my whole life a person cross from one tribe to the next, or from one village to the next, or from one town to the next, to try to make converts for their God from that other village. And the, the point, I think, is, is just these so-called gods are really not gods. They are geographically bound. They are tribally bound. They are God as long as they are in a certain geographical location. If you take them out of there, they are no longer gods. Now, you put that in light of what God is saying here. He is God, and his name will be great from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. That's the God we are talking about. The success and triumph of his purpose is going to be global. No tribe will be left out. No people group will thwart his purpose. No people group will be too trapped in darkness that the light of his name will not shine right through to bring them to himself. So the, the triumph of God's purpose to make his name great among all nations 
is going to be global. It's not going to skip over any one particular nation. Not because these nations are so great, God is desperately in need of them, but because God is so great, He is able to be God and set Himself as God over every single human nation that has ever been, that is, or ever will be. From the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, God's name will be great. The very fact that tonight, here, in, in this, on this campus of U of L, I am opening God's word with you, having come from Cameroon and growing up worshiping death and dumb idols, and yet God's gospel met me where I was and brought me to the light of the gospel and brought me to where I am today, is a little testimony, it's a little echo of the fact that God's purpose will not fail. He is able to summon people to himself from every tribe and tongue and nation. So you are part of something that is indomitable. You are part of something that is invincible, cannot be stopped by any power, human or spiritual, natural or supernatural. The God of the universe is doing what he is doing and no one will stop it, neither in terms of its scope or in terms of its ultimate success. God's name will be great among all nations. Now, how has God worked to bring that about? What has God done? He has proclaimed here, from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, my name will be great among the nations. That's, that's exciting. That's exhilarating. That, that sounds like something big. I want to be a part of that. I don't, I don't want to waste my life doing some trivial thing that's going to fail. I don't want to waste my life with some movement that's going to frizzle out. I, I want to be part of something big and substantial and deep and profound that will cut across time into eternity. I, I want to be part of something that will never pass away. And that thing is that God's name will be great among the nations. But what has God done to guarantee that that will happen? And before I answer that question, I just want to point out what is said here in this verse. You, you, you can't afford to miss the priestly language in the verse. And I'll explain that in a moment. He says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and pew offering. You hear the priestly language? I mentioned earlier about the fact that Israel was a covenant nation that God bound himself to and showed them faithfulness and worked for them and cared for them. And he took a tribe out of all the 12 tribes and designated them as priests in Israel. In this context, the priesthood had gotten deeply corrupt. And God is saying he's going to pass over this priesthood and raise priests from all other nations of the world to offer incense to him, to offer sacrifices to him. So how will we know that God's name is getting great among the nations. We will know by seeing priests who are offering few incense to God and offering sacrifices to God. That's how we will know. That's how the greatness of God's name among the nations will show itself forth. So keep that in mind. But then what has God done to bring that about? And the answer is to create priests from every tribe and tongue and nation, God has given us the perfect priests. In the person of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. The Bible says. After making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Purification for sins. Is that which priests did in the Old Testament. And the priests in the Old Testament. Offered sacrifices first for their own sins. And then for the sins of the people. 
But when Jesus came, being the priest who had no sin to atone for, being the priest who had no sin to be cleansed from, he was offering himself to cleanse the people who would become priests from their sin by the offering of his own body and blood. That's why Hebrews says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Or again, Hebrews 10, 12 to 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies shall be made a footstool for his feet. Then hear this. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's the priest that God has sent. He's offered one sacrifice, and by that one sacrifice, he has perfected those who are currently being sanctified. That's what God has done to produce priests from every tribe and tongue and nation. So how will God produce priests? How will God call priests to himself who will offer pure incense and pure offering, who will be coming from every tribe and tongue and nation, who will have accents you, don't, you barely recognize like my own tonight? He has done so by giving us the ultimate high priest, Jesus Christ, who by his blood, by the one sacrifice that perfects all those who come to God through him, he is now making sure they have been perfected and are being sanctified. That's what God has done. That is the irrefutable proof that what God has declared in Malachi, he will bring to come to pass. The cross of Jesus is the proof par excellence that what God has promised will come to pass. Because Jesus giving himself over to death and being triumphantly raised from the dead by the glory of the Father and being exalted to the right hand of the Father is proof that the name of God will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. So I've made two arguments. The first one is the triumph of God's purpose in the world is guaranteed. His name will be great among the nations. The second, that triumph is going to be global. It's not going to be some small local thing. It's not going to be something just tied to one university or one people group or one nation on earth. It's going to be global from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting. And at the beginning I said, if that truth grips your heart, it's going to free you from the fear of man and free you from peer pressure and free you from the love of the world and make you a joyful relentless and consistent witness for Jesus. So I want to drill down a little bit more in, in the rest of our time together and just show you where your life should intersect with what God has done in Christ Jesus. Two things. First, live as a priest. God has given us the high priest Jesus Christ who by his blood has cleansed those who believe in him from sin. And has been exalted to the right hand of God. So you become a priest by virtue of that. And therefore I urge you to live your life as a priest. And here's what I mean by that. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul said, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Do you hear priestly language? Present your bodies as living sacrifices. Be priests. And let the sacrifice you offer to God be your very body. In the Old Testament, priests presented dead sacrifices. They had to cut off the head of the animals and let the animals 
bleed on the altar, but because God has given the perfect sacrifice which bled on the altar of the cross, you and I don't need to offer dead sacrifices anymore. We offer living sacrifices which should be our bodies. We should be a people known for holiness, known for consecration to the Lord. I will, I will just submit to you the most powerful human asset for every ministry, any ministry under the sun, is a group of people devoted to the Lord, committed to personal holiness, who are committed to setting themselves apart from the pollution of the world. Such a people, such a movement, such a ministry, no force under the sun can stop. God pulls out his spirit and does wonders in the midst of a people who love his name, who love to be holy, who love the world to see that there is something more enjoyable than money, than food, than sex, than education, than anything else that anyone can think of. Anyone who is, you know, here and thinking, the biggest thing is just communicating the gospel. That's wonderful. It's important. It's critical. But you have to ask the question, what is the quality of life that that communicator of the gospel is living? And for Paul, they should live like a priest. And the sacrifice they offer to God as a priest in the New Testament time is their very body. Offer your body to God as a living sacrifice. Dia Modi, a great evangelist, once said, The world has yet to see what God can do through just one man who is wholly devoted, wholly committed, and wholly consecrated to the Lord. I'm paraphrasing. But you get the point. There is a power, the, the contact point between a corrupt generation and the power of heaven is a holy life. The power of God pours out into a society, brings transformation in the midst of a people through one man. And all the better if you have a group like you who are committed to living their lives for the glory of God, who want to be permanently on the altar, who want their thoughts taken captive and made obedient to Christ, who want their desires submitted to the kingship and rulership of Jesus, who want their choices all under the authority and kingship of the risen and reigning and returning Lord, Jesus Christ. So. Because God's purpose will not fail, because the triumph of that purpose is going to be global, and because not being a part of that purpose makes you the loser and not God, I urge you to live your life as a priest, and let the sacrifice you offer to God be your very life, your thought life, your words, and your choices, and the way you conduct yourself, and the places you go to, and the associations, and the relationships that you build. And here's the next thing. Do the work of a priest. So I said, leave as a priest. Now I'm calling you, do the work of a priest. And this is what I mean. This is the specific, as you read through the New Testament, you will see so many priestly duties that fall to God's people who are in Christ Jesus. But here is the particular work I have in mind. Romans 15, 16, Paul said, Grace has been given me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? For Paul, preaching the gospel was doing the work of a priest. He says, in the priestly service of the gospel. When you meet classmates or people with whom you are doing classes at the university or whenever you meet them, 
and you are sowing the seed of the gospel, in the mind of Paul, you are doing the work of the New Testament priests. You are fulfilling your duties, your portfolio as a priest. So Paul, as he did his travels and preached the gospel, he did so knowing God has set me aside as a priest and I am doing my work as a priest. So I'm urging you, brothers and sisters, to leave as priests and do the work of priests. The purpose of God to save a people for himself from every tribe and tongue and nation is a purpose that is bound to prevail. It's bound to succeed. It's bound to triumph. So don't miss out. Commit yourself to it. Give yourself to it. You will not regret you did. There are so many different things you could do. And, 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 and many of you in this room are in stages of life where there are so many big decisions to make, so many different things to think about in terms of the trajectory of your life and so on and so forth. And those are important to do. Pursue great, excellent grades in school and build relationships. But let all those things happen from a mind frame that says, I know where I've come from, I know why I'm here, and I know where I'm going. That is framed by the fact that I belong to the God whose name will be great among the nations, no matter what happens. And therefore, I want my life communicating that. I want my talent and my time and just all the resources at my disposal communicating that. And if you are in the room today and you do not know this Jesus, you are not only not living as a priest, you don't even have a category for sins forgiven for peace with God, for what it means to live under the smile of the living God, that you are not cringing in fear before the righteous judge of the universe, but that you have been given the righteousness of his son that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I urge you, don't walk out of the door still standing under God's wrath. There is forgiveness to be received. There is life eternal to be received. There is work in the priesthood to be invited into. There is an opportunity for you to be named by the name of the living God. And all you need to do is turn from your sin, believe, call upon the name of the Lord. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No one who comes to him will be cast away. I urge you to turn to God if you do not know what I'm talking about here. And again, do the work of the priests, but do so as you live the life of a priest. And you will not regret. Your life will not be wasted. You will be greeted at the door of the new heavens and the new, new, new earth. And be told, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the greatest commendation there ever will be. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for tonight. And thank you for your word. And praise you that, Lord, what you proclaim through Malachi, you have established the basis for in Christ's cross. You're building a priesthood from every tribe and tongue and nation. May you just bless these brothers and sisters and cause their witness for you on this campus to bear fruit that will far outlast them. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.